0: Our series is seven simple prayers that can change your life. And we are taking it, our text for the series from Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. It came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And it's been a motto for this series, I guess that 2,000 years ago, Jesus' disciples came to him, not saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. They weren't looking for a method. They said, teach us to pray. They were looking for motivation. We want to feel what you feel, Jesus, when you pray. We want to have the passion that you have when you pray. They had watched him pray. And so Jesus gives them what we now call the Lord's Prayer, Really, that's a little bit of a misnomer. It's really the disciples' prayer, and the Lord taught us to pray. Prayer is simply having a conversation with God. A lot of people feel like they do prayer wrong because they feel like they don't pray like something they heard at church or something they heard pastor pray, or especially they don't feel like they pray uh, like it sounds when we're all together and we're all intense in church. Can I just take a load of guilt and pressure off of you? If you pray like we pray in our own building on Sunday night when we're in tents and we're storming the gates of hell for some missionary somewhere, if you do that in your corner office at work, somebody's going to cart you away. It's okay to just talk to Jesus uh, based on where you are at that moment. And uh, that's, that's wonderful. Prayer is a conversation with God. The most meaningful conversations with the most meaningful people in our lives are those kind of conversations. They're not always the same. They're informal. They're candid. They're effortless. They're endless. And sometimes they're even voiceless. And that's how prayer should feel, brothers and sisters. It's having a conversation with a God who loves us very much. This series is following two things the Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew, the phrases there, and the I am statements of Jesus that are found in the Gospel of John. And we've boiled them down into seven simple prayers. In fact, one word prayers that I really do believe can change your life. And uh, the first phrases we looked at were these Our Father, which art in heaven, and also Jesus' statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And the very first prayer we encounter is this heartfelt cry of a child to their father. Their father who knows the way. Their father who can answer. Their father who can lend them assistance. Anybody remember that first prayer that we pray? Help. We cry out to our father for help. We cry out to a God who can meet our need. He's our father. So if it matters to us, it does matter to him. The psalmist said, help me, O Lord my God. O save me according to thy mercy. When God reaches down, he doesn't save us because we've impressed him. He saves us according to his mercy. So it's good to call to the Lord for help. And then we moved on to this phrase in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. And Jesus, I am statement, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He'll go in and out and find pasture. The word hallow means to set apart, to distinguish, to esteem the name of the Lord. And you do that by offering him worship. Worship is the door into God's presence. Don't ever get weary of the worship team, the song leader, the pastor, whoever, the service leader. Don't ever get weary of anybody encouraging us to worship because worship is the door into God's presence and the easiest, most instinctive kind of worship to God. In fact, the beginning worship to God as we begin to enter his presence every time is one word. Anybody remember what it is? Thanks. Saying thanks is the most instinctive prayer you'll ever pray to God. And it is the key to the door. Because the Bible says that thanks is like the entrance. Thanks is like the beginning. Enter into his gates with Thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Hallow it. Set it apart. It's a wonderful thing to say thanks. I know there's a lot of people here, probably everybody here. You've got something great to thank God for, even from the last few days of your life. Everything may not be perfect. Everything may not be going just A-OK, but you still found something, a silver lining in the cloud, and you've got something to thank God for. And I'd like to give you an opportunity to just lift up your hand and your voice and say, thank you, God, because I do want your presence to settle down upon me as I study your word tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you, God, for your blessing. Thank you, God, for letting me be part of your family. It's always good to say thanks to God. And then last week, what a beautiful Bible study we had last week in God's presence. We talked about these phrases from the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. Jesus made two things very clear. Number one, he made very clear that he is the light of the world. But secondly, he made very clear that we are the light of the world because his presence, his spirit fills his church. He provides the power. But the church is like the light switch that turns on the light and we do it by praying one simple prayer in accordance with his promises anybody remember what that is yes. we pray yes to the word of God. Yes, to the promises of God. You don't have to provide the power for your miracle. You don't have to provide the power for your deliverance. He already has all power. All you need to do is agree in prayer with the promises he's already made and say yes. Paul wrote these words. He said, for all of the promises of God in Jesus are yes and in him are amen, unto the glory of God by us. So everything that the word of God says, there are hundreds and hundreds of promises. In fact, you've got enough promises in the word of God to go one a day for about 20 years. But all of those promises are yes in Jesus. They are a men in Jesus. You don't have to provide the power for your need to be met. He already has that power. What you need to do is agree with him in prayer that the work is going to be done. I thank God I saw him, Brian, right back there last Wednesday night in that wonderful Bible study at the end. He came up here masking all around the altar. Nobody was touching him. Nobody was all over because we're trying to keep all the rules, but you know what? COVID doesn't shut down Jesus. COVID doesn't shut down the Holy Ghost, and He received the baptism of the Holy Ghost because, see, the promises of God, He said, You shall receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You shall receive the Spirit. You shall. And so, all you have to do is agree and say yes, and it's as good as done in Jesus' name. And so, tonight, we're going to move on. Um, I I just want to introduce tonight's lesson this way. In today's world, everywhere we look, we are constantly bombarded by advertising. Anybody notice that? Anybody have a Facebook account? You know we're bombarded by advertising. And all the advertising kind of has the same message. Buy this, watch this, subscribe now, subscribe to my channel Uh, 50 years ago, the average person encountered between 500 and 1,600 ads a day. And that 50 years back, marketing firms were constantly working on new ways to target consumers. They tried to place their product uh, in pictures and in uh, text ads, on billboards, in newspapers, radio, television. And then 30 years ago, the World Wide Web was invented. And over the next five years, advertising began to move online. Search engines like Yahoo and Google and e-commerce websites like Amazon and eBay, they came on stream. And email, blessed email, became a new marketing tool. Fifteen years ago, smartphones became common. Social media hit its stride with sites like Facebook and Twitter, and the world literally moved lock, stock, and barrel online. Today, the average person encounters between 6,000 and 10,000 ads every single day. You don't even think about it because they're everywhere. 90% of Canadians under 65 now shop online, not exclusively, but in a major way. They spend an average of $2,600 a year or $50 a week on average online. Spam used to be, quote, a canned meat product made mainly from ham. But today, spam can either be a noun or a verb, and whichever one it is, They both refer to, quote, unsolicited, irrelevant, or inappropriate messages sent to a large number of recipients on the Internet. And almost every ad and every email say the same thing in different words. You need this. You need more. What you have, who you are, isn't enough. But just about the time you feel totally overwhelmed, by all the incessant noise and all the demanding voices, into the chaos of our 24-7, always-on, seldom-happy, ever-grasping, rarely-content, never-fulfilled, pseudo-plastic world come the ancient, soothing words of our Lord and our Master Jesus, who said, Give us this day our daily bread. And he also said, in the gospel of John, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Amazing. And calming and soothing. From Bible times until today, bread has always been considered a staple food. Such a basic dietary item that over the years, bread became synonymous for food in general. A person can survive a long time on only bread and water. The Jews ate unleavened bread during the Passover every year. And their nation was sustained in the wilderness for 40 years when God gave them, literally, the Bible says in Exodus 16, He rained down bread from heaven. That was manna. They ate it for 40 years and it sustained them. Breaking bread together, that phrase came to indicate sharing a meal with other people. Bread, Jesus' uh, analogy here, bread is essential for life, just as Jesus is essential. For your spiritual life. Now, ironically, Jesus made that I am statement, I am the bread of life. He made that statement the day after he had multiplied a small boy's lunch of bread and fish and fed 5,000 people. It was a major miracle. But the next day, those same people that were there and saw the miracle and ate their lunch, those same people are still looking. For more the very next day. They want answers to their questions. They want another free lunch and they want to see even more miraculous signs. And that's when Jesus ends the discussion by simply telling them all, wait a minute, I am the bread of life. I am everything you need. You don't need all of your questions answered. That's not what you need. You don't need somebody to give you a handout. That's not what you need. You don't even need to see more miraculous signs. That's not what you need. I am the bread of life. I am everything you need. I am more than enough for you. Something very similar happens in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus says, Give us this day our daily bread. When he says that, when he's talking to the disciples about how he prays and how he has a conversation with God, our our heavenly father, he said, I talk like this, give us this day our daily bread. He's alluding back to that miraculous provision of manna during the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Daily bread, that immediately comes to the mind of every person who's an Israelite. Because God sustained them in the wilderness on a daily basis. He even instructed the Israelites, if you gather more than you need, the manna is going to spoil. You only take what you need for today. There was only one exception and that was for the Sabbath. On the day before the Sabbath, they could gather double so they could honor God's commandment and not work on that day. But otherwise, the principle was the same all week long. Every week of the year for 40 years, you gather just enough for each day. It is your daily bread. When Moses is kind of rehearsing their history and they're about ready to go into uh, the, the, the promised land, This is Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means the second law. Moses is going back over their history. They messed it up once. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But now they're right about ready to enter the promised land. And here's how Moses summarizes the manna. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. He says, And God humbled you. He suffered you to hunger, and he fed you with manna, which thou knewest not, Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Now, there's a lot in that verse. My goodness. Moses said, God humbled you. He made it so that you had to depend on him. He suffered you to hunger, but he fed you with manna. What in the world? What Moses is saying is you didn't always get everything you wanted. The menu was the same for 40 years, but you got enough to sustain you. You didn't get everything you wanted, but God gave you everything you needed. He suffered you to hunger, but he fed you with manna, which you knew not. And you got to love that because manna literally means in Hebrew, what is it? And uh, some of you husbands, you know that your wife serves that once in a while. <laughs> Couldn't resist. I'm sorry. Old joke. And here's what God was teaching the Israelites every day of the year for 40 years. He was teaching them, man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. You don't need what you think you need. What you need every day is a word from God to sustain you. That's what you really need every day. You see, even in the Old Testament, God is teaching his people, you need me more than you need stuff. You need me more than you need all your wants met. If they weren't obeying his commandments, no amount of possessions would satisfy the hunger of their hearts. Without him, they would always feel empty. Without him, they would always want more. But with him, they would always have enough. No matter how much or how little they possessed, if they had him, they would always have enough. Fast forward about 1,500 years, and the Lord Jesus, God, manifest in the flesh, God robed in a body. He is being tempted by Satan himself in the wilderness And when the devil comes to Jesus and tempts him to eat, it's not wrong to eat. Hunger is a natural appetite given by God. But Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil wanted him to break his fast in a way that pleased the devil and pleased the flesh, not in a way that glorified God. And Jesus reaches back 1,500 years and he grabs that statement of Moses to Israel uh, looking over the promised land in the book of Deuteronomy and Jesus answered and says to the devil, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I don't know about you, I don't know what you think you need. I don't know what you have as your heart's desire today. But I can tell you this, what you need more than what you think you need is a word from God that can sustain you and guide you and bless you. That's what you need more than anything else. The word of God is so powerful The Word of God is so beautiful. The Word of God will sustain you when nothing else is around you. The Word of God can heal you when the doctors shake their head and they look forlorn. The Word of God can encourage you when everybody else is a voice of negativity toward you. The Word of God can pick you up and mend your broken heart when you have embarrassed yourself and made horrible mistakes... And fallen flat on your face. But the word of God. God sends his word to heal us. God sends his word to deliver us. God sends his word to bless us. There is nothing like a word from God. It is perhaps the most misunderstood and misapplied phrase in the Lord's prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. When you pray, give us this day our daily bread, you are not saying, give me what I want. And maybe you've used it that way. Maybe you go to God with a list. It's like demands. You know, one little boy I read, a little Catholic boy, he found a little statue of the Virgin Mary and he hid it under his bed and he went to say his prayers that night. He said, God, I have your mother. His theology was a little screwed up, but. (laughs) Give us this day our daily bread is not a list of demands. It is not saying, give me what I want. But what it's really saying is, Lord, you know. You know me and you know my life. Give me what I really need. Give us this day our daily bread. It may just be manna. It may be just enough to get me sustained through this day. But if you say it's enough, it's enough. Give me what I need. When you pray, give us this day our daily bread, it is not saying, I want everything on my list. No, here's what it's saying. Jesus, you are at the top of my list. I need you most. Now help me figure out what else I need. That's give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread is not a demand for more. We see that everywhere. It's in every advertisement, on every kind of media. More, more, more. You need more. You're not enough. You deserve more. You deserve new. You deserve better. It's everywhere. But when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, it's not a demand for more. No, it's a declaration. It's actually a declaration of something that is so counterintuitive and counterculture that if you ever learn to pray it, it will change your life. It's just one word. Give us this day. Our daily bread is not a demand for more. It is this declaration. God, you are enough. That's what it is. All I need is what you say I need. All I need is what you provide for me. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus, you're at the top of my list. Now, would you help me figure out the rest of my list? Because if I pray it according to my flesh, I'll get it upside down, inside out, and backwards. I'll demand something that would hurt me. I'll demand something that would mess me up down the road. I'll demand something that might even take me away from my relationship with God. God. So God, I'm not praying that. I'm praying you're at the top of my list and you are enough. Now let's talk about the rest. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me enough to sustain me today. I'm not making a demand. I'm making a declaration. My God is enough for me. My Jesus has been so good to me that if I have to go a day or two with only him, that's still enough. If I have to go a day or two without comfort, he's still enough. If I have to go a week or two and I'm sick in my body, he's still enough. If I have to walk through a month or two of a perplexing situation, he's still enough. Give us this day our daily bread. You're at the top of my list, Jesus. Enough is a prayer that can change your life. (laughs) Enough is a prayer that can refocus every day. And here's the problem. Nothing, absolutely nothing in our culture will ever teach you to say or pray enough. Canadian consumer debt stands today at over $2.2 trillion. That is not our national debt. No, that's what people like you and me owe to banks and credit cards and the government. Household debt in Canada is at 179% of disposable income, meaning that the average Canadian owes $1.79 for every dollar they earn. But for some people, see, that's average. Some people, it's far worse than that. 10% of Canadian households owe more than 350% of their gross income. They owe $3.50 for every dollar they own. Do you know why? Because nobody in our country has ever learned the secret of saying and praying enough. We are one of the few countries in the world where the majority of the population will throw out or put in a drawer somewhere a perfectly good phone because Apple told you there's a new phone. And so your old phone suddenly is no good anymore. Did you feel that? (laughs) Don't touch my technology. We, We live in one of the few countries in the world where we build houses for our cars. We're blessed. We've got everything we could ever dream of. We live in wealth that would be inconceivable to the kings and the sovereigns of ancient nations. And we just turn it on. We just flick the switch. We just walk in. It's amazing the privileges and the blessings we have. Nothing in our culture will ever tell us enough. It's always got to be something bigger, something newer, something greater. It's always got to be. We've never learned the secret of contentment in modern culture. We've never learned the secret of enough. The amount, you see, between what I have and what I want, that's called discontentment. And if you live long enough, you will meet a lot of very discontented people. They spend their whole life in that awful place. And no, it's not just about money and stuff. Sometimes it's about somebody else they think their family has more perks or privileges. They think their kids are more educated, or they think their family's healthier, or there are all kinds of reasons to be jealous and envious and to live in that awful place called discontent, which is measured in the distance between what I have and what I want. And so we do everything that our culture says to do. Work harder, work longer, get more, buy more. And we go through life sometimes thinking that happiness can be purchased or earned. Or even worse, we think if someone else's happiness could just be diminished, then our happiness would somehow be increased. What a horrible, evil, wicked, sinful way to live. But people do it every day. Let me tell you something. Let me give you the secret of a lifetime. Enough is never enough if you measure with the wrong measuring tape. If you're measuring the size of your house or the age of your car, if you're measuring the amount in your bank account, if you're measuring how much popularity you have or how many Facebook friends you have or any one of a thousand trivial pursuits, you've got the wrong measuring tape. But the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray a very simple word. Jesus, I've got you. It's enough. It's enough. This will be the most counterintuitive lesson in this seven-part series. Because we know we should pray yes to the Word of God. And we're used to saying help to God. and we, We know enough to say thanks to God. But this one, it has the power to change your life too. If you ever learn to just pray, enough, God. The desire for more, brothers and sisters, is behind every addiction on this planet. It doesn't matter whether you're addicted to a substance or to possessions or to money, or popularity. It doesn't matter whether you're addicted to career, or business, or education, or fame, or pleasure, or relationships. It doesn't matter, the desire for more is behind every addiction, and addictions will kill you. You can never get enough of what your soul didn't really want in the first place. Oh, your body may have desired it. Your mind may have desired it. But that that eternal part of you, your spirit, it didn't really desire that. You can never get enough of something that will never fill the emptiness of your heart. It doesn't matter how much you get. You will still feel empty. Solomon, in the book of Proverbs, recorded the prayer of a wise man who we just know his name is Agar. And Agur prays a a very wise prayer in the book of Proverbs. And Solomon, who was a very wise man, wrote it down for us. Here's Agur's prayer. Two things I have required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Here's Agur's prayer. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full, rich, and deny thee and say, Who's the Lord? I don't need God. I'm rich. I've got lots of stuff. Or, lest I be poor, and I'm so poor that I steal, and I break God's law and His commandments, and I take the name of my God in vain. Now let me untangle that ancient prayer a little bit for you. Agar's prayer is this. God Please meet my material needs, but only as much as I can handle without it harming my ability to put you first. My goodness, if we could ever learn to pray that, we would bless ourselves in a thousand directions. God, I am asking you. You told me I could. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm praying that you'll meet my material needs, but with one major condition. Don't give me too many riches and don't give me too much poverty because God, I don't want to do something that would disgrace your name and break your commandments because I'm so poor I have to steal to get food. But God, on the other hand, I don't want to be so wealthy that I think, I don't need God. I don't need his church. I don't need to serve God. I'm very self-sufficient. I've come this far all by my little self. So Agar prays a very wise prayer, God meet my needs, but keep me right in the middle. Don't let me go to one extreme or the other. Ultimately, I don't need money and stuff. I need you. Now, if an old guy from the Old Testament, who's basically anonymous except for his little name, If that man could pray such a wise prayer, surely in the New Testament, those of us that are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, we could learn to pray that same wise prayer. God, meet my needs, but just give me enough. I don't want too much because I might get lazy. I don't want too much because I might get self-sufficient. I don't want too much because it could lead me away from you. So God, I'm praying you'll give me this day my daily bread. Give me enough and Jesus I'll be happy with enough there's a cultural resistance against that It feels like sandpaper when you preach it or teach it because there is nothing in our culture that would tell you that you have enough, and yet you do. You have more than enough. You live in the top tier of the top percentile of everyone on this planet. You are abundantly blessed, and with all of our challenges and difficulties and consternation about coronavirus in Canada right now, we still live in what. Just name this week, the, the most wonderful uh, country in the world. I don't think they used the word wonderful, but whatever they used. We are the most blessed nation. We are amazingly prosperous. And we are amazingly favored by God. And every once in a while, it would do your soul good to divest yourself of all the cares of this life and all of the things that call for your attention and just pray one simple prayer that could change your life. Jesus, I have enough today because you know what that frees you up to do? God, I have enough today, so now I have some extra to pray for somebody else's need instead of everybody always needing to pray for me and my need. Now I have enough that I can give to bless somebody. I don't need a bunch more from me today. I have extra. I can give. I can bless somebody else. I I don't need any more. I can take some time today, and I can do some work for your kingdom. I can do something that would help somebody else because I have enough. Praying enough will change your life if you let it because praying enough Comes from a deep well of gratitude that it, it it turns everything upside down. It's amazing. In the Lord's Prayer, we don't even get to give us this day our daily bread until we've already prayed. Hallowed be thy name. We don't pray for all we need until we stop to realize that God is all we need. We, we don't pray for our list of wants and our list of desires until we've stopped to think, wait a minute, I've got Jesus. Yes. I've got enough. <clears throat> I'm almost finished. First Timothy, Paul writes these words. But godliness with contentment is great gain. As a pastor, for I can say this now, for many years now, many's relative, but it's been many, especially for you, dear folks. Godliness with contentment is great gain. As a pastor over the years, I've met many godly people who are miserable. And if you trace it back long enough, deep enough, and far enough, you'll find out what's missing with contentment. They're godly. They're keeping all the commandments. They're coming to church. They're faithful. They give. They do, but they're not content. There's always something just beyond the horizon of their life. You know, you've got single people that want to be married. You've got married people that wish they were single. You've got everything in between. Not content. It's, it's, it's like... They believe everything in the Bible except the parts that tell them they have enough. They're God's people. It's okay. You have enough bandwidth to have compassion on somebody else besides yourself because you have enough. You have enough bandwidth. To go to prayer over and over for somebody whose need being met will not change your life one iota. But you've got enough in your life so you have enough bandwidth to pray for them. Enough will change your life. It's an amazing prayer to pray. And so Paul said, yeah, it's good to have godliness, but it's godliness with contentment that is great gain. Oh, my. And the writer of Proverbs, last scripture, the writer says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. I don't care how much money you do or don't have in your bank account. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. There are all kinds of stories and anecdotes about people that got a huge windfall of money and they ended up broken, a disaster, maybe even committing suicide because sorrow was added with what they thought was a blessing. There are all kinds of stories. I could regale you for an hour about people that set off on a career, set off to build a business, set off to do something great with their life, and they lost out with God in such a major way that they became a shadow of their former self. And what they thought was such a blessing ended up being a huge curse. Because some blessings of this world, they add sorrow. But the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. I'm preaching not because of you, dear folks, because of our culture. I'm preaching a little uphill. I'm kind of rolling something up a piece of sandpaper tonight. Because it just grates on us to think that we don't deserve more. That we shouldn't have more. That that somehow tomorrow we're going to get something bigger or better. Some of you, I've ruined your night because you already have been looking on the internet today about something you want to buy online in the morning. And I just messed up your day. And I'm glad about it in Jesus' name. It's not because I don't want you to have it. It's not because I think you're sinful for buying it. It's because Jesus wants something better for you. It's not the possessions. It's that desire for things of this world that can overtake our desire for the things of God. And so if you buy something new, I'm glad for you. But I hope you're buying it out of a place of contentment and not out of a place of, If I get this, I'll feel better about my life. If we get the the bigger house or the newer car, if we get this or that, then somehow we've arrived. You know this. You're smart people. You never arrive doing it that way. It's always one more thing over the horizon that you need to make you feel better about you and yours and your life. But when you learn the secret, Jesus, all I need today I just need what you want for me today. Give us this day our daily bread is not a list of demands. It is a declaration. I've got enough. I've got you. Now, Jesus, let's see how we can do this day to be a blessing all around me. Because you've already blessed me. I've got enough. Now, you go right ahead and you pray for your needs. You pray for your family you know pastor's not telling you not to do that because the Bible gives us all kinds of examples of that. You pray for those you love. You pray for backslidden kids. You pray for health in your body. You pray for whatever it is. But remember, before you begin that, there's one person you need to put at the top of your list for that day. Jesus, today, whatever I have to walk through, whatever I have to go through, here's what I say at the beginning. You are enough. You are at the top of my list. You are the bread of life. You are everything that sustains me. You are everything that keeps me going. If everything gets kicked out from under me, if I've got you, I've got enough to get through this day and into tomorrow. You are my daily bread. See, he's the bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Make any application you want. Your daily bread can be the things you want, the things that you need, your bills to be paid. But really, the overarching application, brothers and sisters, he said it I am the bread of life. So when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, you're actually praying an ancient prayer that's 3,500 years old. It's back when God supplied Israel with manna every day. He didn't give them enough for five weeks in advance. He didn't give them enough to save up a year's supply. He gave them what they needed for that day. If I've got Jesus today, I'm going to get through today just fine. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. He addeth no sorrow with it. Enough is not a level that you achieve. Because the world will keep telling you, it's never enough. Not only do they say, it's never enough. They look at you and they say, you're not enough. What a cruel, deforming Message Our kids go to school and they hear it all the time. You're not enough, you're never enough. Your background, your family, your clothes, the brand names you wear, you're not enough. What a satanic, evil, wicked message that they hear. But in the church, brothers and sisters. It's countercultural and it's counterintuitive. Here the message is Jesus is enough for me. I can love you because Jesus loved me. We are united. I don't care if you come from the opposite side of the tracks. I don't care if we're from different socioeconomic backgrounds or different racial backgrounds or different ethnic backgrounds. See, none of that matters in the family of God. The ground is level at the foot of the cross cross. cross and He is enough for all of us. And if He's enough for me and He's enough for you, then we can be enough for each other. We don't have to play these one-upmanship games and all of this junk that is in our culture. I wish you'd lift your hands and just tell Jesus in in as many beautiful words as you can say to him, God, you're enough for me. I'm so grateful you're part of my life. I, I, I get refocused sometimes and it's not good. My mind goes over here and I think I need that and my mind goes over here and I think I'm gonna die if I don't have that and my mind goes over here and I think I need what that person has or I need what that family has. But Jesus, I just refocus tonight and I say, You are enough for me. You are enough for me. You're enough. You're enough. Because, brothers and sisters, when he becomes enough for you, that's when you get the bandwidth to be such a blessing to everybody else around you. Because you got enough. You got enough. On the authority of the word of God, I speak to you tonight and I say, and you do have enough. You are enough to be a soldier of the cross, a prayer warrior. You are enough to war in the spirit. You are enough to see miracles happen as you pray. You are enough. You have enough. He is enough and He is yours and He is in you. You are enough. This church, you are enough to have the greatest revival, the greatest harvest of souls. city has ever seen you are enough because he is enough oh I need somebody get your voice in the air it'll change your life if you ever learn that because he is your all in all you are enough you are enough no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper this is the heritage of the children of the Lord he is enough so I am enough Mm. oh push in prayer just for a moment I'm all finished push in prayer just for a moment The devil has told you you're not enough. The devil has told you you can't see your prayer answered. The devil has told you you can't ever amount to anything for the kingdom of God. Send him and his message back to hell where they belong and tell the devil, I am enough because my God is enough for me. His grace is enough. His mercy is enough. His spirit is enough. His blood is enough my goodness. E Rebo Sya Sandela Kyota Bahasa. So terebaba bioko te rebaha. My 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 shunde lebe sia. To Rebaboko Shaya Sandela Bo Siesa. And the Rebabo Sandela Kyata Baha. I speak to someone who has been humbled by the lies of the world and the devil himself and you've always felt inferior and you've always felt less than and you've always felt underneath and you've always felt like you don't matter and you've always felt like you don't belong. I speak against the lies of the devil and hell. I speak against that in your life because Jesus is enough for you and you are enough. You you are not inferior, you are a child of the king of kings. You are not less than royal blood runs in your veins. You are enough because he is enough. Whew. Would you lift up your voice and just pray in the Spirit for a moment? Something is breaking, and I think something wants to break loose among us tonight. Sende-rebo lotoroko shesaba'a. Nende-lebo shesaba de la Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Nende-les-chosa daraboko rabaha. Would you just stand with me all over this room and at home just don't disengage yet. Stay with us. God's working here. Lift up your hands and your voice right now and let's pray together. If Jesus is enough, you got enough bandwidth to pray right now. Even if you don't need the prayer, you got enough to pray so somebody else can be blessed. You got enough room in your spirit to pray so that somebody else can be delivered. It's enough. He's enough. We're enough. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Sore la la bocesa Suterre la la Bocesa Babacoeta. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. My goodness, folks, I feel a spirit of prayer in here. What do you say we turn this into Friday night prayer for about two or three minutes here at the end? I'm not trying to hold you, but I'm not going to disobey the Holy Ghost here. I rebuke the spirit of fear and infirmity. I rebuke the spirit of anxiety, inferiority. I rebuke the spirit of depression. God, you are enough for us. You are enough for us. Alebator Roto Sheba Bokyo Tabaha Ledes, your Sunday La Bocore de Siasa. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus.